speed, agility, power. I'm a big fan of these things. All of the performance I demand for myself on the ice is here. Handles all of my needs in dynamic fashion. All right, folks, welcome to another episode of Roxy Fever. I'm your host, Jackson McDonald. With me, as always... Hey, everybody, it's Vyasteran. And Elliot Hoyt. Who knows where he goes in the order this time? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's been a while since we've uh, since we've last convened for an episode, mainly because there has been fuck all to talk about. Uh, let's be real. absolutely fuck all. Like, can you guys think of before basically today, or maybe it was yesterday? I guess it was yesterday. Um, could you guys like think of a single hockey story to talk about? I can't. Yeah, man, like usually October, November, we're usually talking about how like is Brandon Sutter good again yeah. or something because he has a good fall. He has um, like three good games a year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then like, like some, I don't know, some training camp guy gets like two games after he had a good training camp and then eats shit in the training camp and everybody says he didn't get a chance. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of what happens in the fall. Yeah, we would all be talking right now about like how it was really stupid for the Canucks to lose out on Josh Levo to uh, sign Jace Howerluck just to put him on waivers. That's like literally the storyline we'd be talking about right now, probably. Yeah, that's what's happening in like the non-COVID timeline. <laughs> or like some like we play one game before like like one more game than other teams have by a certain oh, point shit and so then it's like oh my god the canucks are leading the league yeah <laughs> yeah exactly. oh, that's, that's always i hate that those shit. Were, those terrible that posts. does always happen in early december though you're right like yeah early december is almost always like the best time for the canucks when they're bad um but yeah uh thankfully <laughs> mark donnelly has given us something to talk about uh this uh I always say this week as if we put out an episode every week, but you know, this time around. And um, it, it also gave me an opportunity to, you know, kind of look around the league, do some digging at some other Anthem singers who are a colorful bunch, you might say. But um, before we get into that, Vias has been just, you know, hectoring all of us uh, the, for hectoring. Well, hectoring the, me, really, not Elliot. I shouldn't I shouldn't act like it's like Elliot has anything to do with it. He's been hectoring me to finally get to host an episode at some point. And we didn't give him the chance to host an entire episode. We're kind of, you know, like letting him put his foot in the shallow end first before he dives into the pool. But um, he has a nice little... Uh, public safety and health announcement for all of you. Um, yeah, we got finally sponsored by Island Health. That's I've been right. working on this for a very long time. <laughs> that's that's absolutely right. But um, Vias was was kind enough to, uh, on very short notice, set up a very brief interview with uh, Andrew Neville. I almost said Aaron Neville, the country singer. Um, <laughs> I've been I've been having a bad week for that. I, I literally. Too. I literally had a Vias moment where I read the Mark Donnelly news and uh, immediately first thought was, why is the guy from Entourage singing a national anthem? (laughs) 
I I literally got Mark Donnelly and Kevin Connolly mixed up. That's weird. It was like it's literally for a very brief moment was like the guy who directed Gaudy like has something to do with this. And I was like, oh no, wait, that says Mark Donnelly. Yeah. Anyways, I, why did people listen to this show? One of the worst. I'm always vaguely disappointed that Mark Donnelly's not related to like the bar tyrants of Vancouver. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. I have been trying all day to come up with a bit about that but it's not working that would be the ultimate roxy fever angle like <laughs> yeah finally finally somebody brought brought down the donnelly's yes. of vancouver or something but um, I don't know. uh anyways uh we'll uh we'll take you now to our our quick brief and fun uh little public safety ps a little psa from your friends at roxy fever and andrew neville yeah, a little uh, as public a, safety, Andrew. Public safety. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as just like a right before that, I realized I didn't inter- and like introduce him well, but like he also doesn't really have a title. Uh, but Andrew is uh, based out of Halifax. Uh, he used to be on the Dog Island podcast before that was. Uh, uh, they just decided to shutter. Um, just an extremely funny dude, um, and I've been talking to him for a couple of years now, uh, and it's fun to make friends across the country. And uh, really happy he came on. Uh, you should definitely follow him at Andrew Neville if you haven't. Um, so yeah, I uh, hope you enjoy. Um, if you live on if you live on Vancouver Island, this is a must listen. All right, what's up, everybody? I'm finally a podcaster. I'm finally actually taking the reins on this. I'm not just a guest <laughs> on my own show. Um, I've been asked specially by Dr. Bonnie Henry, the public health officer. Uh, to spread awareness about a, uh, a specter that is about to haunt Vancouver Island. Um, his name is Cortland Cronk. And well, our guest, our guest name isn't Cortland Cronk, but the specter haunting us is Cortland Cronk. And I really wanted to get um, a good friend from the opposite side of the country, Andrew Neville. So he's at Andrew Neville. Um, he's been on tons of podcasts before. Uh, he is a possible confidant of uh, the specter himself we're tight <laughs> you guys are both kings together yeah um so yeah i just wanted to bring on andrew to uh to spread awareness about what's going on here because uh vancouver island's been decently safe uh and now i'm very worried so why should why should we be worried andrew so corlin Kronk is a alpha he's an alpha guy he's from uh He's a young man uh, in his early 20s from Rothsay, New Brunswick. Rothsay, just outside of uh, St. John, New Brunswick, a beautiful small town. Um, in Cortland, uh, last week on the 25th of November, uh, became famous uh, or infamous, I suppose, um, when he <laughs> revealed on his, on his own volition, told people this, which is out of control, uh, that he was COVID positive Um uh, had become COVID positive, possibly traveling to Calgary in October um, and came back and then just didn't isolate while positive um, <laughs> and traveled uh, just throughout New Brunswick um, making business deals because he's an alpha businessman. He's a small business crook. Um, like I, I, businessman is the least... <laughs> <laughs> like it's not apt. It's not an apt description in any way. Uh, Cor- so Cortland Cronk was designated uh, by the provincial government, in New Brunswick, by public health as an essential worker. Um, okay. His his day wow. job is he's a I believe he's some sort of like software technician for for BMW. So he's a guy that knows how to like update the firmware on your fucking car, <laughs> uh, and that was deemed uh, an essential service. 
So, so Cortland was still allowed to go to work. He was still allowed to travel. Um, some of the travel he did while COVID positive was things like uh, try to sell search engine optimization to a guy who sells like uh, like James Bond suits in St. John, New Brunswick. Like I couldn't tell. <laughs> that like, guy who was incredibly cool. Yeah, yeah he's so, so fucking funny. cool. He's like, it's called like dangerous menswear or something. <laughs> and like, I can't like, I was trying to tell if there's suits that have like Kevlar lining, like <laughs> if they're to protect you from gun or knife damage. Uh, like if there's some sort of buff you get from wearing it, but I couldn't tell. I think they're just stupid suits. Um, <laughs> so he was there. Uh, he was just traveling all around. So Kronk, uh, aside from his day job, is also an entrepreneur. Um, he sells, he's a Amazon dropship weed fertilizer salesman. Uh, so he just like repackages, like relabels and sells aftermarket sells um, cannabis fertilizer on the internet he doesn't hold product he just does like drop ship fulfillment so you get it from someone else with his label on it it's just it's an incredible scam uh some other things Kronk does he's an influencer he's a van guy uh so he's like a guy that's like i lived a year in my van van. life yeah like he's a van life dipshit um he's just cool his girlfriend's like a tiktok girl um and he has sort of like a kind of a podcast kind of like you guys uh, I think where he like maybe talks about weed or something. Um, there's an incredible video from that when really he is was... like our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> there's an incredible video from when he during the time when he was confirmed COVID positive, this where he's like trying out a strain of weed, uh, like on his web series or something, and he's like, "Oh man, I can't taste anything right now." <laughs> bad everyone. He's like coughing the whole time. It's so fucking cool. So anyway, cork. <laughs> Just to get back to it, on the 25th of November, reveals that he had been traveling, and a CBC article reveals that he now recovered, had traveled this whole time, was not required to isolate, um, had been all over hell and creation while sick, uh, but because he was asymptomatic, they said it was fine. Um, it sounds like maybe that's true, like he did not really, like I had a test, I did a COVID test a few yeah. weeks ago, and like in the time between the test and when I was told I was negative, they told me I didn't have to isolate. Um, oh. So, so maybe, you know, maybe Cork did nothing wrong, um, but he became, you know, for a day or two, especially in like Atlantic Canada, Twitter and broadly Canadian Twitter, sort of infamous for just this, this plague rat that maybe like New Brunswick was sort of uh, like all of Atlantic Canada had been doing really good uh, sort of the last eight months in terms of like controlling the pandemic and uh, you know having zero to very few cases every day until uh, sometime in the end of October when it really started to pick up. So uh, Cork could be uh, like a patient. It could be a patient zero situation in New Brunswick. Where he brought it back and then gave it to everyone. Um, but so I guess for your your guys' sake, what's important is he is on the move. Uh, as of last night, which was uh, December 2nd, I believe, uh, he was flying from Halifax to Victoria. Um, and it's amazing because he, again, just publicly is bragging that he's traveling again, posting Instagram stories from all the airports. Uh, <laughs> Tell us about like... His I can't bu- believe that Victoria is about to get cronked. <laughs> yeah, we're about to get... We're, we're cronked. It doesn't know borders. Um, the vibe that he has when he's like talking online, like he he seems like he doesn't know like yeah. It, <laughs> yeah, so you know what i mean like he doesn't realize what everybody else is thinking 
Yeah, so I've been talking to him, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm also trying to make friends with him because he's cool as fuck. Uh, like he is just like he. So I started following him on Instagram, and he shares, like, earnestly shares the kind of things that like me and my friends make fun of that are like a picture of Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey, where it's like a good fr- like a good friend will always tell you when like you're doing something wrong, but he'll also always like have your back or like. Just share shit like that, or we'll share like, uh, you know, ways you can save or make money. Like just like success memes all the time. It mm. rocks that he was literally <laughs> spreading the plague through all of Canada while posting memes that are like, if you have good friends, they'll always tell you when you're doing something wrong. <laughs> it's so fucking cool. He's so cool. Like, but yeah, he's just like. So when he posted from the airport the other day, he posted from the Halifax airport, which means he traveled from St. John, New Brunswick. Oh shit. to Halifax. Yeah. Got got on an airplane, and when he posted from the airport, I replied to him. I said, "I said, bro, they're gonna flip." I said, "They're gonna flip again." Uh, LMAO. I said, "LMAO," and he replied with like the laughing with tears emoji, and he said, "I didn't do anything wrong. Let them flip." Uh, and that's been literally just living out the end of the new Borat movie. Like... Yeah. <laughs> So his contention, this whole thing, is that he has not done anything wrong, and that like I agree. I let I, the man let the man spread COVID in peace. This isn't I, communist Russia. He has I, freedom to move. I kind of agree because, like, technically, he hasn't he hasn't broken any rules, right? They told and him I mean, not to isolate. They told him, and the joke. Like, the orders. I don't want to just be serious for one second, <laughs> like. Croc is so fucking funny. He's an idiot. He's always like inconsiderate. He fucking sucks. He's so funny though. But I mean, there has been throughout this whole pandemic, this like a very real sense of like, okay, what are the rules? Yeah, absolutely. Like what, what are, and aren't we supposed to be doing? Like even Mm -hmm. right here now, like we had this sort of beautiful, like six months where things were basically normal. Um, yeah, you guys were having like uh, you guys were like making music together and stuff. Yeah, like things were open, bars were open. There weren't like big events. Yeah, but things were more or less normal. That's kind of um, what things were like on the island during the summer. Yeah, yeah. Not to not like you could you could have days where you could trick yourself into thinking things were normal. For sure, like we still had to wear masks, but like you know you could go to a restaurant and sit down. But uh, as of you know the middle of about two weeks ago, they sort of as cases have risen again, they put in some new restrictions here, but the restrictions are very like, it's vague. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like they haven't, they've said you're allowed to have up to five people visit you in your home at a time, but they haven't said, do these have to be the same five people every time? They haven't Mm -hmm. made that clear. Mm -hmm. Uh, They, they haven't like at, at the beginning in our first lockdown, it was like, you can have one other household or like one other person you're allowed to visit. Yeah. And that's it. And it was like very clear. And this time it's it's really vague what yeah. you are and aren't allowed to do. And I mean, Kronk, like, you fucking know better though right now to not be <laughs> like <laughs> like traveling. Like that that should be obvious. Like that seems like a no-brainer. Like you can't do this, especially if you're fucking caught. Like the video of him coughing is funny too, because he's so he's so red-faced. Like he's like really clearly flushed like he looks sick in yeah. the video 
Like he looks like he's got a respiratory illness. <laughs> um, it's great because he's got like such a TikTok setup, like as if he was like a, a mixologist TikTok. Yeah, yeah. He dresses like a he's bartender. Got this bar. He's got like the perfect mirror, like all the the nice stuff right behind him, and he's like set up like he's got a YouTube show. Yeah. And I could not believe it when that video came out that he couldn't he couldn't taste the weed. It's so funny. He's wearing like an H and M like short sleeve like floral button down. Like he just he, he's he, wearing the last wardrobe. Uh, like man, he got the last mannequin from Le Chateau. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like so. I mean, Cortland's like this interesting case study, and like, well, what about the dummies? Like, what about what about the idiots? Like, it's they not need... a crime to be stupid. No, and they need clear instruction. Like, yeah. le- le- legit, yeah. like legitimately. Like I, I don't know what I'm really not supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. um, and it's not. And I think I, I mean, I kind of think it's like on purpose, unclear, or just like they, like no one fucking knows. But the, yeah, Kronk, he's so cool though. He's also so cool. Like he, <laughs> he know he knows that people in Edmonton with their Beamers, they need, <clears throat> they need to get their like computers reset. Yeah. Um. After daylight savings time, change the clocks. They had to call the guy from New Brunswick. Apparently he lives in Victoria. Oh my god! <laughs> so, uh, our friend Aiden uh, also messaged him the other night when he was posting the airport things. He's like, "Where are you going?" And he said, "I'm going to Victoria." Uh, that's how we found out he was going to Victoria. And then on Twitter today, I, I made a I made a post yesterday that was like, "Kronk is traveling again." <laughs> And like it got a lot of, you know, got some interaction. And then he finally replied to it and said, I live in BC. Wow. Wow. So, so I guess he lives wow. in BC and has just been maybe was going to New Brunswick. Like he's definitely from Rothstein, New Brunswick. Like we have figured that out. Sure. Because um, his mom is, isn't his mom on Twitter also like coming to his defense? I saw his sister in law get mad about people besmirching their mid level marketing alarm system scam they had oh. running in Calgary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, everything like yeah. He's also just a, a scam guy. We figured out his his family seems to be like some wealth management people. Like, that makes his sense. Whole family just seems like kind of crooks, like top to bottom, which is awesome. <laughs> uh, like he's such a he's exactly a type of guy. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, so we needed a new type of guy. Yeah, and, <laughs> and we got him. He's really creative. just this year's kind of guy. <laughs> Yeah, he's the man of the year. Honestly, right. Vit, when, when once you said like marijuana uh, fertilizer shipping scam, yeah, like I should that should have tipped me off that he was Victoria because that's like the most Victoria entrepreneur thing you could be into. Yeah. Anyways, so uh, we're in trouble, folks. Um, I uh, don't know what's going to happen to Victoria, but now now you know. Now you heard it first. Uh, prepare for an even worse lockdown. Um and to protect yourself, oh, I wish I had the the at for the guy selling the suits so I could plug him. The last thing he posted on Instagram was a story six hours ago. That's like uh, a a share from a page just called Wealth. <laughs> it's like they just at Wealth on Instagram, <laughs> and it's a guy sort of looking like a little a little besmirched. He's looking a little uh, he's looking a little confused. He's broke. Nobody sees you. And in the next picture, he's laughing. It says grinding. They start to laugh at you. And then the third, <laughs> and then the third picture, the guy is just sort of like smile, like big toothy smile, like you know, like he's really happy. 
it says success they start to hate on you so I <laughs> oh yeah it's cristiano ronaldo oh my god so if we want to like p- pathologize cronk a little bit and this type of guy this like success mindset guy right um the, th- the thing is like for him the fact that everyone hates him now the fact that he's the f- like public enemy number one right means that he did something right it mm-hmm. means that everyone is just a hater and that right. they saw him shine they saw him <laughs> flourishing they see him just living his dreams they see him making two thousand dollars a day <laughs> through drop dropship fulfillment <laughs> and search engine optim- optimization without having to have a day job and they're just jealous you know yeah they're jealous of him his life his girlfriend his, his fame account his fame He's in the Globe and Mail, and you're not. Absolutely, yeah. no, it's true. I, I just, I, I can't stress enough how just fucking crazy <laughs> it is that he owed himself as doing this. <laughs> like he went Listen, to, man. he went to the CBC and was like, "Yeah, I did that." Like, <laughs> like they, because legally they can't say who has the, who like the. Public health can't say like, yeah, this person has COVID. They're not allowed to do that. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of like privacy shit that. Would yeah, get right. They rightfully are not allowed to do that. Yeah. Um, but he just was like, yeah, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you have to uh, consider here too, like how many people. There are tons of people. I mean, across the globe, but particularly in North America, that like think that all this shit is fake, or that like the restrictions are draconian or basically that don't take it seriously. And like this guy is a hero to those people now. Mm -hmm. And are you a hero to anyone? Like at the end of the day, this man, he's getting the last laugh on everyone (laughs) by Mm -hmm. being probably like one of the five dumbest people in Canada. (laughs) Yeah. And my favorite part is that he cannot sense any of the irony. I mean, like I'm seeing one post by somebody who was like, Oh my God, noted COVID spreader um, and Joe Rogan fan, Cortland Cronk is like promoting some medicine called Alpha Brain. Uh, (laughs) Well, he definitely has that. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, How do you think you got it? And then he quote tweeted it being like, hashtag Alpha Brain works at Joe Rogan. (laughs) I would love to see Cronk get on on Joe Rogan. That feels like... You can make it happen. Yeah, that feels like it, it... should happen yeah I mean, we gotta enter on to true and on it probably should yeah <laughs> it probably shouldn't happen realistically like it would probably be a net negative but i mean if everything is uh if it would bring a lot of joy be, to a lot of people yeah exactly if everything is going to be terrible can it at least be terrible in a way that's funny to me personally yeah i mean if i may jackson yes. um pretty much nothing to lose at this point in terms of, <laughs> in terms of the, fair in enough terms of the, in terms of the big picture, uh, you know, um, so yeah, I think we can do this. I think if you're listening to Roxy Fever and you think Kronk should get on Rogan, like maybe tweet like hashtag Kronk on Rogan. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? You score Kronk. I'm realizing now just after I said that, that like there's no regular Joe Rogan listener who is going to be like, you know, I believed in COVID until that marijuana fertilizer entrepreneur told me not to worry about it. I just want, I just want to see his marijuana fertilizer company grow. Like he does believe it. Like he's not a disbeliever. 
Fair enough. He, yeah. He just like doesn't care. Like it's an even better thing where he's like, I just don't give a shit. Like he's like, <laughs> it was, he's like, yeah, I had, he's like, I had COVID. It kind of sucked for a few days. What, it's just a flu. What was that story like in the first CBC story that came out? The way they told it, which is totally bullshit, I think one of us said, where he walked into a party and then got the text that he was positive or something and then walked out of the party. Uh, let me find it. Do you remember this? I think it was in the first CBC article. I, that's just from memory, though. Uh, but like, as I was getting back from Fredericton, walking into my buddy's house, I just checked my phone and said, hey, I'm positive. And he didn't believe me at first. He's like, you're not even sick. And I said, I know. Kronk immediately <laughs> turned around. <laughs> Kronk immediately turned around, got in his car and headed home to self-isolate as he was. So, OK, so he did isolate once he was sick. So he says. So he says. But he did. I have no isolate. reason not to leave him. He didn't isolate while waiting for the test results. So yeah, he tech he didn't oh. do anything wrong. Yeah, he followed the orders. He act like again, like I got a test. They told me I didn't need to isolate. They say if you're if you're asymptomatic, you don't need to isolate. That's what they've been telling people. Right. And and the I think the logic is like if you are asymptomatic, the viral load that you're that you have is low. And therefore, like your ability to like spread the virus is is diminished. Um I guess I'm, that's I'm shrugging my shoulders. I don't want to get in trouble. Here. That's what I, I'm saying. Hey, if you're not sick, that my personal guarantee is if you're not sick, you can't get anyone else sick. Um, I don't believe that. No, this podcast pre- uh, presented to you by Island Health. Yeah. Really bad. Yeah. yeah, I can't. And I just can't believe like Canada is such a big country. I pretend things that are going on way out east are never going to happen to me. And then this guy just gets on a fucking plane. It shows up. Man, like, I'm jealous, man. I wish I was on a plane. <laughs> um, this guy's living the life. He, he does. Not- okay, Kronk does say in this article that he thinks that public health needs to improve their communication. Mm-hmm. He said, now recovered, yeah. Kronk said it's clear improvements are needed when it comes to communications at the Department of Public Health and that contact tracers in the province are under pressure. He described most of the, the officials he spoke with as very unorganized. I had to explain myself like probably five times to go over my timeline again and again said by the third phone call someone asking for information had already gone through twice he told the person at the end of the end he was finished going over the story again so yeah and i mean like it's not their fault like these public like i think public health officials like i know in nova scotia for example i i had a, a situation like two weeks ago where i had been at a place where there was an exposure and i spent four or five days on the phone going back and forth with public health where they would call me twice a day and say on the first call, yes, you need to get a test. We're going to call you back with a time. And then on the second phone call, they would say like, we went over it. You don't need a test. And I'd be like, okay. And then they would call me again the next day and just run through the whole thing again. Um, and this is cause you know, like some people working at these places are literally just like working at a, like they're just basically call dispatchers or like mm-hmm. they're, there's bookers, like they're booking the test. And then some people we talk to are nurses. Um, Everyone I talked to at public health during this process told me that they don't have any more information than we do, that all the information they have and where they're getting the information is just the public health website that everyone else has access to. So they don't know anything more than anyone. Yeah, it seems like it's been incredibly uh, the messaging and even the administration of the sort of like restrictions or protocols or whatever has been incredibly inconsistent, definitely from province to province. But even within the prop within your own like health authority, it's been inconsistent because my uh, my fiance was a close contact 
um, back in September, I want to say. And she was told to isolate, but couldn't get a test for three or four days, which mm-hmm. doesn't really make any sense. Um, it, it, I, I agree. Like, it's just the, the it's, it's getting increasingly difficult to get mad at individual people when the messaging has just been so, like you alluded to earlier, I think purposely inconsistent and unclear because I think at the end of the day, the biggest, uh, the biggest concern here is, or the, the thing that they're going for is trying to pass off as much of the blame onto individuals and away from themselves. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's discouraging and it's like it's pathetic. And I mean, like I don't begrudge. I have nothing. I have no beef. I I don't want any smoke with like the individual people, like the individual employees, or like nurse, be they nurses or just the 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 test bookers that I've spoken to on the phone. Like mm-hmm. those, like I cannot imagine the hell yeah. that this is. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I felt really bad when I went for my test last week. Uh, when I walk in, they ask me my name. The first guy I spoke to, like the first point of contact. And I said, uh, Andrew Neville. And he goes, he goes, Oh, Neville, have you read Harry Potter? <laughs> <laughs> You're allowed like, to beef with that one guy. Well, so just wait. Um, so I sort of look at him and I just went like, uh, not really like but i know like i just said like i know what you're i know what you're talking about though but i like in that exact tone and then he just sort of like like shot back a little bit and like his look looked like his eyes sort of fell he's like oh i'm sorry like i just like was trying to you know like make conversation <laughs> and i just was like oh fuck yeah. like uh i was like this is so bad i you're working the shittiest job on the planet right now. <laughs> yeah. And you are just trying to be a human being at this like awful dystopian thing you're doing, which is like filing people into a pickleball court to get a things like shoved up their nose. And you just wanted to talk to someone and like make and have a normal conversation. And I was just an asshole to you. <laughs> so I just had to like pull back and be like, Oh man, I'm sorry. Like I didn't mean to be that harsh. Like I was trying to be funny like I, you know, and he's like, oh, no, it's, it's okay. And I was like, yeah, I was just trying to be, I was just trying to be funny. Like it was, it was a joke. Like I was trying to do a joke thing. And I felt so like it, the whole <laughs> next like week it haunted me. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Beautiful. So um, I just, while, uh, while we were talking here, I pulled up an article from uh, the Globe and Mail that has, a, it's just, it, it'll give us a nice opportunity to hear Kronk in his own words. Um, that I thought would be nice to kind of close out on it uh, is the article is called how a young entrepreneur became blamed as the Grinch who stole New Brunswick's Christmas by Greg Mercer. Um, And there's just a little uh, blurb here that I think gives us a pretty good sense of uh, who Kronk is and also um, his take on the whole situation here. Um, So it says here, He didn't help his case by posting a now infamous Instagram video on October 31st where he smokes some marijuana and complains that he can't taste anything, but says he doubts he has COVID-19. Mr. Kronk, who owns a marijuana nutrient supply business, is lampooned for boasting in the video about how much he had been traveling around the region. Yeah, that looks bad, he admits now. (laughs) Mr. Kronk, who completed his (laughs) isolation by November 8th, says he was stunned when he tested positive four days after that video was posted. He was further stunned 
when he became singled out by hundreds of people online. Some of the online attacks have mistaken him for someone else or blamed him for outbreaks in other areas. Others have been more threatening. Some of them said, go back to Moncton. I'm not even from Moncton, he said. (laughs) (laughs) One guy said I should be publicly stoned to death. Jeez. Yeah, come on, guys. Let's let's go easy on Krog. Um, and then he was trying to get publicly stoned, but he couldn't even smell it. This is actually <laughs> sorry, that was bad. No, that was great. Um, uh, and I think this was actually very this was actually very sweet, and I think does actually kind of um show us like give us a, a window into into uh Kronk's puny but well-intentioned mind. Um it says here. Mr. Kronk said he's frustrated by what he feels was a conflicting messaging from the province's public health officials, uh, health officials, sorry. He argues it's not clear what's an essential service and what isn't, and said, quote, all businesses are essential to people's livelihoods. <laughs> Raise fists, everybody. <laughs> what, a, what a guy. All businesses are essential to people's <sighs> livelihoods. I mean, you know what? He's not wrong. Yep. <laughs> um, and I mean, yeah, like uh, more importantly, all businesses are essential to embracing, uh, pub, you know, uh, success win mindset. So I just can't wait to buy this guy's book when it finally comes out. Oh, 100 percent. Kronk in my own, in my words, in my own words, my <laughs> yes. story. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks, for, uh, yeah. thanks for joining us. Andrew. Just, I just want to close that and read out uh, on November 25th. I think you just tweeted. Mm-hmm. It just sums it up. Cortland Kronk is the funniest thing to ever happen. I can't believe we're all going to die because of him. Yeah, exactly. That really, yep. That's really it right there. Uh, Andrew, um, I think, uh, yeah, I think it's time uh, for you to plug. Uh, plug some of your recent work and um, tell us how people can find you. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Andrew Neville. Um, I don't really have, uh, we have a, a podcast right now called Incredible Thoughts that we haven't done in a few months, but uh, we'll probably be back in January. Um you want to check out some some music my friends and i've been working on um on uh on wednesday of next week which i think is the ninth mm-hmm. um we have a, a a christmas record coming out called i'll be home for penhorn uh the Woot. group is called penhorn summer um it's 21 christmas songs hell yeah Holy uh, <laughs> it's 90 minutes long <laughs> this amazing is a, this Wait, is don't the you... third this is the third 90 minute record we've made this year. Um, so you can check that out. It'll be on, uh, on all the streaming sites and then also on, on Bandcamp if uh, you want to get it that way uh, on YouTube. Um, so it's Penhorn summer. I'll be home for Penhorn. Uh, it's about a mall in Dartmouth where we're all from, uh, but also about Christmas and uh, drugs. But yeah, so you can check that out. Um, that's yeah, that's the, that's the thing I care the most about. So, Oh yeah, dude! Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thanks a million. Thank you man. all for having me. This was yeah. a, a blast. Yeah. Agreed. Thanks so much for coming on, man. Last minute too. So big thanks to Andrew for, for that. And also to Vias for setting that up for us. Um, had a lot of fun talking about 
Kronk, <laughs> just one of the great, probably I would argue like the greatest character to come out of 2020, certainly in Canada and maybe in the world. Um, so big thanks to Andrew for doing that with us on such short notice, um, which leads us to the real reason that we've convened today, which is the first piece of actual Canucks news in months. And wouldn't you know it, it does not involve any of the players. <laughs> it does not involve any of the staff. It involves an independent contractor <laughs> that we all know and love by the name of Mark Donnelly, the Canucks anthem singer who has been the, well, he's kind of the anthem singer. He's there. We he's are the, the anthem singers. He is the anthem singer in Vancouver in the yeah. sense yes. that he is, he's the guy who they call, when they don't have anybody else, which is kind of funny that that's the guy. Well, but, but, but like they would do that in the regular season, but when it was like, when it's a playoff game, they bring him in. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm it's kind of a weird relationship because on one hand he's like kind of the flagship guy. I don't know if that's the right word. But no, I would say it is. Like yeah. if it's like a big marquee game, they get him to do it. Yeah. Pretty much. Or yeah. if they can't find someone else, which is kind of a weird juxtaposition. It is a weird, like anthem singers. I've, cause I was, I did a little bit of digging on like what other teams do for their anthems. And like, that's pretty common. Cause like one guy, one guy I looked up, um, like the guy from Nashville, he was really upset that like a couple years ago when they went on that um, big playoff run, he was really upset that like he didn't sing for a single playoff game mm. because mm. Nashville um, and he had like a contract with them, but it's Nashville. So it's like, oh, it's the big playoff run. So they just got all these country stars to like right. uh, go and that sing. Sucks. And he was and well, yeah, he was just kind of he he ended up ending his relationship with them because he was just like they didn't like to handle this well at all. And but I but from what I understand, like that is kind of the relationship that a team has to an anthem singer where it's it's very much like when we need you you're this big rock star, like superstar or whatever. And then when we don't need you anymore, it's like, I'm sorry, who? <laughs> and yeah. this is very much, this story very much is like indicative of that. I mean, goes without saying that I don't give a shit about Mark Donnelly because I don't give a shit about the anthem. <laughs> the only time I've ever, I think, enjoyed an anthem was when they had like uh, the sitar band do the anthem. <laughs> you guys remember that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was a sweet night. Jazzy B came. Jazzy yes. B I think, greater than Mark I think Donnelly. in terms of yeah. like straight up anthem performances, Mark Donnelly is actually pretty good. Yeah, I know he's fine. Look, if yeah, I'm yeah. on like I'll, I'll be honest, if I'm on a hockey game, and I think I would say like definitely before like 2013, I think when people like I learned that he was like reactionary and all yeah, that. Yeah, weirdo. Yeah. Sure. Um if I was in a hockey game and he was doing the anthem, I would cheat like I'd be so happy. Because it's totally. like, yeah. I'm at a real Canucks game. Yeah, I like, if you're paying for a ticket and it's not Mark Donnelly doing the anthem, I mean, the anthems suck, but... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. like, if you're going to listen to the anthem, you want it to be Mark Donnelly, because he's, like, he is good. It is a good performance. Yeah, and by that logic, without him, there's no point to the anthem. I, absolutely. I agree. I agree. I think we should we should get that just right out in the open right now. Um, sadly, Mark Donnelly now has been you know, he's been fired as the, as the anthem singer for, for all intents and purposes. And we just got to get it out there. Like he's the only guy in Vancouver or in all of BC that can do it. So yep. sadly, we just have to get rid of the anthems before the game. Now, uh, nothing we can do about it. 
it's unfortunate, but I'm sure we can all band together in this tough time. You know, those of us who are still standing, we've made it through COVID. We can we can make it without the anthem. So, um, you know, he was the only guy who could do it. He's the, he was the only guy in BC who knew all the words in both languages. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's just that's it. Um, RIP Canadian anthem at Canucks games, 1970 to 2020. Uh, you were a song that we all heard at the start of every game. And, and we'll, we'll remember that uh, forever, but we liked um, it when you pointed your mic at us. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I, 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 I did love the, the joke that uh friend of the show, Justin Morissette made where he was like um, with, reg- you know what? I'm just going to pull it up. Cause it was funny. I, I always, I will say just while I look for it, I've always hated Mark Donnelly. And I think the reason why is just because like, so growing up, my dad also hated the anthem. Now, right. the, the, the awesome thing is that like, first of all, it's awesome that my dad hates the anthem, but the thing that makes it even funnier is that like, you know, I hate the anthem for like a bunch of reasons, largely political. Um, I hate it for really dumb reasons. Like it pisses off stupid people. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but my dad just like, doesn't like like he's a musician and he just doesn't like the anthem like he's, he's just <laughs> so like, like the ironic the stupid the, joke where it's like the anthem doesn't even bang is yeah, like his he's literally opinion. that National guy anthem don't even like, slap he doesn't like um and he like didn't he doesn't like opera and he just like doesn't like the way most people sing it and he doesn't like the song that much to begin with so literally ever since i was a child it was like you watch the pregame game comes on you mute the anthem and go get a beer and then come back when the yeah. anthem is done. So like the um, anthem is the, it's time you only have five minutes left to grab a beer song. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. So, so Justin, um, uh, when the, when the news that um, Mark, I guess we're burying the lead here for those of you that don't know um, literally today, I believe uh, Mark Donnelly performed at an anti-mask rally in front of the Vancouver Art Gallery, singing his signature Feminist song. icon, Mark Donnelly. <laughs> um, you know, singing his big hit, his uh, the one, you know, just that one hit that everyone remembers. Um, and uh, and Justin just quote tweeted the article and said, man who doesn't really sing anthem wishes health authority would stop halfway through doing their job and let the people take it the rest of the way. Um, I thought that was very funny. Very um, good. I also was thinking too, like around the same time that like Mark Donnelly is really a guy that you don't want to get COVID because the last thing you want is for him to just be running around Vancouver, shoving a microphone in people's faces. Yeah. I <laughs> uh, have, will we talk about at all? Do you guys want to talk about uh, Tyler Shipley's like amazing thread about O Canada at some point? I would gladly talk about that. Yeah, I yeah. can, I can take a look. Gladly that. talk about it, but I haven't seen it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you why don't mind? you why don't you pull it up and we'll just um, got it. We'll just keep going for. Oh, you got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, Buddy, I, I'm hosting this episode. <laughs> yeah, you, you really are. Okay. Think this is. Well, yeah. I mean, I think so. There's there's a couple of things to talk about here. The the uh, obvious there's there's and there's a couple different directions we can take it in. The obvious one to start with would be, I guess, like because there isn't a ton to talk about these days it is worthwhile to just like 
talk a little bit about the anthem and the role that it plays and why it is perhaps unsurprising that a guy who's like claim to fame is that he knows all the words to the Canadian national anthem in both languages uh, would be like we're a weirdo far right, like reactionary guy. Um, so yeah, why don't you Tyler, Tyler Shipley guest on the last show had a nice little thread about um, sort of the role that the anthem has played in yeah. far right politics in Canada over most of the country's history. So yeah, why don't you, why don't you walk? Yeah, and uh, kick that one off. Like, if anybody listened to it, and we might talk about it later, uh, Mark Donnelly's uh, interview with Rob Fay on TSN 40. Yes. Like, one of his first justifications for, like, why he did what he did is because he said, because he loves his country. Yeah, like it yeah that was about interesting. The mask part. His justification for doing that was because he loved his country. Like, he went there to just promote the anthem, which is... I think there's a lot of stuff underneath this, and it will be related to, I think, what's... Uh, well, look, you got to, like... You know, it's the same way that if you ever go see Europe in concert, you know, they they really only have that one song, the final countdown, and they'll start all their shows with they start every one of their shows with the final countdown and end. Why wouldn't everyone just leave after? No, because they play it again at the end. They play it as their opener and their closer. And I just imagine that that that's like what Mark Donnelly does at every show. (laughs) Like he's just going and singing his like religious, uh, like arias or whatever at like churches or whatever. And then Mm. just starting every show with, uh, with O Canada and closing every show with O Canada. But I mean, like it is weird that, I mean, I agree with Vyas that there is like a deeper thing happening here and he's probably aware of it, but there are, there's a critical mass of people who aren't aware of it. Right. Like there is a critical mass of people for whom it's just like, well, yeah, like you sing Oh Canada, like Mm -hmm. it's the theme song. And you know what? It's okay if you're there and it's not a problem that you're there, but like more, like if you're listening, more information um, will be helpful. Um, so I'll just like go through it. It's not very long, but yeah. so this is Tyler Shipley again. If you listen to our last episode about Canadian foreign policy, uh, he's a, a university prof and uh, has his account Canada in the world without an O at the end. And so I'll just read out his Twitter thread. Um, Mark Donnelly, Vancouver Canucks, long time. Uh, wait, actually, I can skip this. <laughs> thread in the song written in the 1880s by Calixa Lavalle, a Quebec-born composer. Lavalle spent much of his early career performing in blackface in performing in blackface in minstrel shows in the U.S. Uh, he's also credited with founding the New Orleans uh, Minstrel Company. Uh, his most notable work besides O Canada was The Indian Question. It was a wild and farcical operetta based on General Custer and the war against Sitting Bull. It Jesus rehashed, Christ. It rehashed a range of colonial stereotypes and framed Sitting Bull as a noble savage. So the national anthem is written by a man who performed minstrel shows and mocked indigenous peoples. These days, in addition to its official appearances, the anthem tends to show up in counter protests against indigenous mobilizations and movements like BLM, Black Lives Matter. Uh, And so there's some photos in that thread about the types of people who are doing this. Uh, For instance, when Six Nations land defenders first blocked the construction of a housing development on their territory, uh, Gary McHale, a neo-Nazi, organized groups of white people to gather and provoke the Six Nations blockade. And what they did was they waved Canadian flags and sang "O Canada." Similarly, right-wing hate groups like Pegida, uh, anti-immigration mobilizations like Yellow Vesters, and anti-maskers often make the national anthem a huge part of their events, uh, with lots of spontaneous singing and flag waving, like a chant. 
And uh, Tyler then shifts over. It's 1978. Canadian mining giant INCO Inco is opening up its Lake Isabel nickel mine. To do so, they've worked with a, a guy named The Butcher, who massacred thousands of indigenous Guatemalans. And on the very ground where they were killed, the band strikes up a rendition of Oak Canada. Uh, and uh, no great surprise, again, Tyler's words, no great surprise that a man so associated with the anthem should also be a longtime purveyor of right and far right politics. Um, most notably is his anti-abortion crusade. Um, yes. He's also been a candidate for the Conservative Party in Syria, I believe. And, really? Uh, now, I did no, not yeah. know that. That's oh, you didn't know that. Yeah, no. he ran, I think, in 2015 for the Tories. Wow, interesting. Huh. And uh, now he's evidently a denier of a virus that has killed 1.5 million people. Um, to sum up, Tyler says the anthem is what it claims to be. It's a representation of Canada. Its past and present are, like the nation it exalts, inextricably woven together with racism, colonialism, and genocide. Its biggest fans are those who would seek to deny those in other realities. And for me, the most interesting takeaway from this is, yeah, the part where people use it as kind of like a weapon against yeah. indigenous and black uh, and, and uh, labor solidarity um, as like a, we're Which is weird because you. the original writer of it unionized the minstrel show workers. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, that was good. I like that. Well, I mean, it's funny. The, the thing about the anthem that like, I, I got to be, I want to be kind of careful here because I ultimately like none of this shit is about the anthem, right? Yeah. Like it's just yeah. a symbol. Um, it's the same way that it's, it's very similar to like, the way you talk about the way we talk about like poppies, right? You know, we did the, we talked a little bit with um, Tyler after remembrance day. God is almost a month ago now, like crazy to crazy to think that it was that long ago, but it's very similar with the poppy where it's like, you know, ultimately it's a, it's mainly a symbol and is not like, we have to be careful about focusing all our anger onto the symbol rather than, you know, the yeah. signifier yeah. rather than the signified, which is like, a colonialist the colonialist project that is canada but the one of the things that strikes me about the anthem that's so like galling i guess is so like a few years ago there was a big deal where um where like the they officially changed the lyrics to from in all thy sons oh, yeah. command to in all of us command and that was like that was like a huge big deal and everyone made a uh like a a big fuss about it for different reasons. Um, but the, that's like the least offensive line <laughs> in like the first, uh, I'm the first legitimately the, annoyed that there's still a reference to God in it. Yeah. Well, first of all, that's annoying. Um, second of all, like, and again, these are, this, these are all like more or less piddling criticisms, but like while we're on the topic, um, the one that really galls me is literally the first line, our home and native land. No, it's fucking not. Yeah. <laughs> like, especially in the context of it being written, like it's literally like it's, it is a bad sign when activist groups can turn the first line of your national anthem into a very effective, like agitprop slogan. Cause I'm, I'm sure you guys have seen those signs that say your home on native land. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, I, you know, I mean, it's, this is one of those things where, I mean, I think it's, it's partly like my own, um, hangups or whatever about like being made to, to look like a crying SJW or whatever about like a thing that is ultimately like, 
you know, the anthem is the least of our problems. But yeah, like, they, it, they want to paint us as being like, oh, my God, a song triggered these libs. Exactly. Like, but that's oh. not the point. Like the the point is just that the point is that the obvious compromise here should be if you really want sports to be apolitical, get rid of the anthems. And then we can yep. have that conversation about it. And that's that's kind of, I think, especially in our more recent episodes, the thing that we've been talking about more and more is how like you get either you get rid of this stuff entirely or you start to acknowledge the fact that like hockey is incredibly right wing. Like that is yep. the that is where there are a polit there is a politics in hockey. Politics is everywhere in hockey and it is overwhelmingly when that discussion comes up, when it permeates the culture, it is overwhelmingly a right wing viewpoint. Mm-hmm. And so if that's the case, then it seems only fair to engage with it on those terms. And if we're not going to just get rid of the anthem because it's stupid and why are, why am I singing a song before a hockey game? Um, then, then, you know, I think, I feel like I have every right to, to criticize it because it's, it's relevant. You know, I also mm-hmm. really think that it is that they do play the anthem before the games, because as someone who's watched a lot of international sport, it is really cool when you win an international event and you get your anthem played. Yeah. And then it's really funny to me that all the like guys who melt down constantly about participation trophies see no problem with yes. playing the victory song before the game. Yes. That's a really <laughs> good way of looking at it actually. And that is, that's something that's been on my mind too uh, recently, like how, how the, the people who are the first people to accuse you of being triggered are just such wimps. Like yeah, you're, when you actually take yeah, they it, melted down when they changed the, the words. Yeah, exactly. And, and and they melted down when they changed the words to a song. And then the people who are wrongfully upset about Mark Donnelly being fired as the anthem singer, and as we'll get into it later, there there's a more correct way to be upset about um, Donnelly being fired. But the people who are upset for the stupid, wrong, dumb reasons um, are literally like. They're crying over the fact that an opera singer can't sing a song before a hockey game anymore. Like it's the, I can, I'm sorry. I can say this. You guys can't, but I, I can like, <laughs> it's the queeniest fucking thing to be getting upset about. It's like, I don't get to hear my favorite song. <laughs> it, it has been really fun to see, particularly like sort of since 2016 and stuff, like just seeing the way that, these people who hold themselves up as like the avatars of masculinity, just how like mm-hmm. kind of doughy and sad and crybaby they are. Like it's been personally cathartic to me. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, it's a song. <laughs> it's it just is, the only yes. words on my head. This is just a song. And I, and I really hope that the word about like who wrote the song gets a yes. bit more traction yes. because I think like Canadians are not, very like it doesn't take a lot for them to drop something in terms of loyalty like we don't have a lot of color. like there's obviously some guys the guys who roll cold like but i'm not talking about them but like i think a lot of people who usually would just think normally or think that the um, anthem is fine like i think once they hear that like how like horrible the writer of the anthem is like they're i feel like they might probably give it up pretty quick like yeah. it would be like kind of a shrug yeah. thing it's like yeah it makes sense yeah you know what like, you're right yeah we shouldn't do this yeah especially because it's only been the fucking theme song for like 30 years 
like, I did not know that. It really hasn't been the anthem for that long. Yeah, it was, oh, it's like been since, longer than that, but it's you mean since like 1967. I'm saying something? 30 years. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like 50 years, but it hasn't been yeah. that long. Like, like, like my the, parents re- remember singing God Save, God Save the, Queen the Queen at elementary school instead of O Canada. Right. Exactly. Like it's it's in recent enough memory that it was another song, and that other song makes up. Was the was the national anthem for most of Canada's history? Um, I, yeah. I also wanted to. I was wondering, like, how you guys kind of feel about like the fact that Donnelly was fired now for this, when we know like how vocally and actively anti-abortion he was going mm-hmm. back to like eight years ago, and no one ever seemed to give a shit about that. Like, I'd be curious for you guys' take on that. And I have some reading material on that subject as well. I mean, I mean, it kind of says it all right there. Like, one of the fun things about this, or like bad parts of this podcast is that we all agree on everything. Yeah, right. Yeah. (laughs) I was going to bring up that, like, I was talking to Flube about this earlier. And it makes total sense that he got dropped for this because he is questioning the validity of wearing masks. And Aquiline may very well have the completely rational opinion that the faster and more severely we f- deal with covid the sooner you can get butts and seats exactly. like yeah covid yeah. robbed oh. <laughs> him of two rounds of playoff revenue yeah. <laughs> and you're gonna be the anthem singer and you're gonna go out and be like actually we shouldn't do anything about covid of course your boss is gonna be mad about this exactly that's funny yeah. i never would have thought about that connection yeah that's, no, that's a really good observation about the money he hasn't had from this and like yeah i realize like i think a lot of people have been like oh this is a good pr uh what an effective pr team it's like no this is probably frank looking at this and like oh god it's a piece of shit again all right <laughs> like now he's like personally fucked with my money yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and, it, and it, uh, so to speak right um but but yeah it's like it's gross to me and it signals whatever you can guess what it signals that no comeuppets happened as a result of how uh vocal he is against anti-abortion about, I mean, there's no chance that Aquilini is pro-choice. I mean, I'm sure he is on his like, side yeah, adventures, publicly, but yeah, like there's no way that his official stance is that he's pro-choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he's also Italian Catholic. Like, yeah. yeah, who's to say? Yeah, I, I wouldn't be. I, I wouldn't be surprised. It's tough. It's always tough to say with with these kinds of things, you know. Like, I mean, I know that. Um, I know that his party affiliation federally is uh, liberal. Um, I don't know what his like personal views on abortion would be, but I could definitely see how like it's, I would, I would imagine. Yeah. Like if we're, if you're going to generalize, like based on the, the, like his upbringing or whatever, that he's probably at least sympathetic to like, Oh, well, people are allowed to have their opinions about that or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I did. I did just want to pull up because it's nice context here. There's actually an article from uh, 2012, uh, J- June 1st, 2012, by uh, former guest on the show Harrison Mooney. About oh yeah, also shout out to Harrison Mooney is the one who like wrote the story that everybody's been sharing. He has this. been the mark like on the Mark Donnelly beat from day one because he was he was the, yeah he was the one who wrote the story about the anti-mask protest and then he was the one who um really sounded the alarms about the uh the launch of the what's called what was called the new abortion caravan so i'm just going to read from the article because uh it it just provides some nice context for what we're talking about here for those of you who aren't aware about um donnelly's previous affiliations with other far-right groups 
Um, so it says here kind of mid midway through the article here, one has to wonder how the team feels that their noted anthem singer has also decided to become closely associated with the new abortion caravan, a group of trucks with seven foot tall and 22 foot long billboards adorned with graphic abortion Im- imagery that will be driving across Canada beginning this week. So on Tuesday, he sang the anthem at their launch on the steps of the Vancouver Art Gallery. As you can hear, his performance was hardly well met. A crowd of protesters booed and jeered the anthem in an attempt to drown him out. A scene the Canadian, a scene the Canadian Center for Bioethical Reform, the group behind the trucks, made sure to highlight in their press release. And then there's a quote here from, um, like it's a, it's an entire press release here. But there's a quote from Stephanie Gray, who's the executive director of the Canadian Center for Bioethical Reform, which is the organization that put this on, and she says it is appalling they would attempt to censor our national anthem and resort to such violent and un-Canadian behavior. So I'm not going to uh, go through the whole thing because you know we we're running low on time here. Elliot has a pizza that's coming in 20 minutes, but um, uh, two two things that that interests me about this um one the new abortion caravan is a reference to the abortion caravan which was a thing in the 70s in canada that actually carried women across provincial lines to help them get abortions that that weren't um Mm. that where when they weren't either accessible or legal in uh the places that they were from uh Mm. yeah it does rock it's extremely shitty that they like they co-opted it's that. It's shitty that they had to do it. It's good that no, it was I was gonna say it's shitty that, that this organization co-opted that oh yeah fucking name that like to be like, oh yeah, we're we're taking it back. Yeah, you know any any party or any like group that has new at the beginning of it bastardizes yes. what it's all about. A hundred percent. Yeah. The uh the, <laughs> the new democratic party is the bastardized version of the democratic party. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> look, okay. look, I, I started it. <laughs> oh that's so <laughs> good. Okay. Uh, that's so good. All um, right, back to how horrible these people are. Yeah. Um anyways, the uh I agree for the record. Um but uh the the other thing that that sticks out about this is those fucking the images. Cause I, I went through, I did some like uh, digging and I mean, I could go into the Canadian center for bioethical reform for like hours if I wanted to. But the funniest thing to me is just that like, I'll talk about was... my old work, please. <laughs> yeah. You were the youth director for a while there. Right. Um, <laughs> <Fuck off. laughs> the, uh, the, the thing that always hits me about this is the, like they talk about these graphic images and obviously they are like graphic and they are, it is shitty for these these people to be like showing people that who don't want to see it or like, you know, particularly like women who are about to go get an abortion, like having to see those pictures really shitty. But there are also just so many of them are so obviously fake, too. Oh, yeah. like it's just like some like plastic doll with some like chopped up tube steak like next to it you know like it's like ketchup you know basically every like half these pictures look like that beatles album cover that got recalled that i said to you guys the other day like ever look like things you would show kids like 12 year olds at a halloween party exactly yes yeah it's like you put your hand in the plate of spaghetti or whatever no these guys always show up to my uh university to you know protest or whatever the fuck they're doing and i always want people to counter protest either by showing the salvador dolly film where they slice the lady's eye open yes because it's like equally disturbing it's more disturbing in my opinion but equally meaningless to whether or not a woman has a right to choose or just get a big projector and just play some porn 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> They'll hate it. No one else will really care. Yeah. Good yeah. call. No, that's fair. Uh, another another um, thing that I was able to pull. They're creating the babies. <laughs> you yeah. Have a problem with this. Yeah. Another <laughs> um, another thing that I was able to pull from these articles too is like Mark Donnelly said the same thing about this. Like his opening um, thing that he said about this was the same thing that he said about the the anti mask thing, which is that he always opens with like, well, we have to be able to have a conversation about it. And I, that's a tick that I really hate because it's like, that's never a thing I have. Like I have fringe politics too, for being honest, right. They're fringe on the other side, but I would never say to someone, well, we have to be able to have a conversation about it. I would just tell you, this is what I believe. Like it bothers me to a really great extent. I should be allowed to talk is what that people on this. Yeah. But it's like, they conflate criticism with being silenced all the time. Exactly. A recurring theme. I really don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. So nobody's putting you in jail for this, dude. Yeah, exactly. Um, because we're running up on time, um, I I just want to make sure I leave enough time to go through the kind of funny stuff at the end. But do you guys want to just like briefly comment on him getting fired over Twitter? Because I did. This is kind of where. Yeah, I do not like that. Maybe we differ a little bit from where the popular like understanding of this is because I think we've we firmly established here that Donnelly sucks and that yeah. we don't want him to be the an- anthem singer. But the way that this happened, less less than great. So do we know for sure it was like that is how he was told ahead of time? We it's- know that it's how he found out. Okay, yeah. we know that for sure. Then okay, good to know. I mean, it's obviously different because he's. I assume he's not an employee. He is a contractor. Yeah. yeah. So they could just say like, that to me almost makes it okay again because it's just like, yeah, we're not going to yeah. renew your contract. Yeah, uh, totally. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. It's not it's the not... same thing as like terminating an employee. If yes. Aquilini fired his catering staff over, like, you know, like the arena food concession staff over Twitter, like that would be legitimately torch and pitchfork time. Mm-hmm. But this That's is like, like Elon Musk shit. Yeah. This is like probably a more tactful way of doing it, but this is, yeah, this is one of those things where it's, it's not so much that I have any, like, I guess what I will say is like, there is, it's, it's just worthwhile for everyone who saw this happen to just take a moment to like reflect on the fact that catharsis and something being good are not the same thing. And so Mm -hmm. Like yeah. it's cathartic to see Donnelly just get owned so rapidly, but I, I draw the line at like kind of what is essentially like, I mean, honestly, the best way to put it is like, you know, I just, I've watched people who have like screamed histrionics about Donald Trump for the past four years, all cheer on a billionaire publicly firing a celebrity. And it's just kind of ironic. Like the, not that like there, that the result isn't warranted, but just the process and the reaction to it, it does kind of give me an, an icky feeling in the sense that like, I, what we're saying is that we need more civility in politics. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it, it is just no. ultimately don't fucking fire somebody over Twitter. Like, yeah, it's such an obvious ploy to like, just get some positive engagement for a guy who. Yeah. If it wasn't obviously a ploy, if you heard about it in the abstract, it's an obvious ploy because it's Aquilini doing it. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's like, remember 
you know, the last time he fired people, it was really shitty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, I mean, it's one of those things it's too where... bad this doesn't count as a 50th firing. So then exactly. Actually, yeah, like, yeah, totally. And it's, it's a guy who, you know, shouldn't be, shouldn't be associated with the organization should have been gone long ago anyways. But, um, I'm sorry. Like if you're asking me to choose between like, which person is more evil, it's Francesco Aquilini. Yeah. It's not, yeah. it's not Mark yeah. Donnelly. So like, yeah. for sure, I don't, just, I don't want to use this as a point to celebrate Aquilini on. Exactly. It That's, was a rational decision you made. I have one opinion yeah. about good things Aquilini has done and we're not ready for this take, but this is not it. Yeah. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, mean, my, I will say my personal, like I want to, I do like feel the whole, like getting into, okay. I guess what I'm saying is like right now, I don't care that much. Um, because I know that Donnelly probably doesn't make much money off of his job as a, as an anthem singer. It's tough to say. I, I did some research and I know that like the guy in Pittsburgh gets paid something like $300 for, um, regular or, uh, for weekday games and 500 for weekend games. So that's actually, if you start adding it up, it's pretty decent supplemental income, Yeah, but I don't know what Donnelly gets. Right. Yeah. So yeah. it could be, it could be nothing compared to that. Or, you know, is, is it a contract? I don't, it, so much of it is not public that it's kind of hard to, it's kind of hard to yeah. have a, a reasonable take on it, mm -hmm. which is why I guess my mm -hmm. plea would just be like, just don't, don't start to don't like get Aquilini for this too. Yeah. Don't get too uh, elated about this happening. Because yeah. And, a, and if anybody like counters you and be like, Oh, but like, isn't it good that he did this? It's like, well, why don't he do that? Um, uh, out of respect for like women's right to choose. Like, exactly. Yeah, totally. Like, yeah. Once again, like, you like which, which of those quickly. things, which of those things is worse, you know? Yeah. Um, I just yeah. think hopefully uh, Calgary steals yet another thing from Vancouver and fires their controversial singer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, on that note, um, I did do some digging on other anthem singers throughout the league. And for the most part, they're kind of, uh, I mean, I would say this is one area where like the Canucks take the, uh, take the cake. They probably have the craziest anthem singer in the league in terms of like having the longest history of okay. doing insane shit. Um, but there were a couple of other like weird ones that I was able to find. Um, the Pittsburgh anthem singer, Jim Jimerson is definitely my, that uh, is not a real name. Well, first of all, yes. <laughs> and second of all, um, my just favorite fun fact about him is that he appeared in the, uh, nineties movie, sudden death with Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> so he's definitely the oh, coolest yeah. anthem singer. Um, another guy, you gotta watch who, that. Uh, another guy who I, I did a little bit of reading about who is also insane is the uh, Ottawa police officer who used to sing the anthem in front of most Ottawa Senators games. Do you guys remember this guy? Uh, I don't think so. No. He literally looks like the Gestapo agent from Raiders of the Lost Ark, like dead ringer just like bald big glasses wearing like a weird fascist military uniform um and uh yeah he would come out and he would sing literally like every single game he'd sing in his cop uniform like literally even after he retired as a cop he he just like wore the cop uniform and his name is uh lyndon slewage <laughs> and the most insane thing about him no. is that he was a cop but his son was literally like two months ago 
uh, murdered because he was a full patch Hells Angel member. And there's like all these news stories about um, him being involved in like gang wars and shit. So I would um, obviously, you know, not anymore because he has uh, tragically passed away. But I would have loved to attend some of those uh, slewage family dinners um, to see how those go, because that has to be pretty awkward. Um, But the guy, hands down, who throughout the league has the most interesting backstory aside from Mark Donnelly is George Canyon, who some of you may remember as the anthem singer for the Calgary flames, their most used one. He um, he's always wearing, he he's, does the fake cowboy horse shit. He's always wearing the cowboy hat. Um, and uh, one of his my name- least favorite things about Calgary is the fake cowboy shit. Absolutely. And his name is, is horse shit too. His real name is Frank lays. So once again, another like musician who plays it off as like, uh, Oh, I'm just a guy who like worked up from um, pulled myself up by my bootstraps and became a famous musician when really he's been bankrolled by a fucking potato chip fortune this entire time. So, but my favorite thing about George Canyon is that he um, ran as a conservative MP in the federal election in 2019 in Nova Scotia in a town that he did not live in <laughs> like a riding he didn't live in he was just literally like airlifted into the riding so I've uh, found a pretty decent article from the Tai that more or less like takes us through his, uh, his campaign launch and I was hoping uh, with the five or so remaining minutes that we have here that I could have the voicemails to get to. Oh, oh yeah. We have the voicemails too. Uh, well, I think we have to get to one of them. Okay. Okay. Um, well, I've, I'll just, I'll power through this and we'll, okay. uh, we'll All right. hopefully we, we don't have to interrupt your pizza getting. Yeah. I don't want to um, do that. No, that's fine. George Canyon has played, probably played livelier venues than the Eureka volunteer fire hall. Outside the brick red building, just off highway 374 near Stellarton, Nova Scotia is a simple sign. Meet and greet George Canyon, Tuesday, 7 p.m. Most nights, the country and Western star plays to packed houses on the concert circuit. Tonight, the 40 or so people, most of them long since into collecting their pensions, are quiet and watchful as if they were sizing up a new pastor at their church. They have come to see the man who wants to be their conservative MP. Inside the Eureka Volunteer Fire Hall, the man dressed in a dark sport coat, open neck checkered shirt, and blue jeans paces back and forth, trying to tease questions from local residents. Tall, square-jawed, and awash in star quality, George Canyon rattles on like an indefatigable auctioneer determined to get a bid. He keeps prowling the room and talking, trying to get engagement out of a meet that has yet to turn into a greet. It is hard to tell if their reserve is awe or shyness, or could it be disapproval? Canyon, after all, rode into town from Alberta, appointed by conservative party party bosses in Ottawa, betting his star power might break the liberal monopoly on on Atlantic Canada's 32 seats. Canyon's arrival stampeded the hopes of local Tory candidates for the nomination, bruising feelings. Whatever it is, the residents remain largely passive. It is as if they are waiting for something and know that if they let him talk long enough, they will get to it. One of Canyon's themes is honesty. I will always tell you the truth, good, neutral, or bad. I won't blow sunshine up your behind, he says in a clear, seductive voice. <laughs> Man, this... sunshine up my ass. I know, yeah. People and, say they don't want to do that, but I want it. A few smiles quickly bloom in the audience, followed by a trickle of questions. Someone asks about teachers' salaries. Climate change comes up, and one man carefully explains to the now-silent candidate that carbon dioxide is actually good for the planet. (laughs) 
There is an inquiry about healthcare and how to make it better, including for those with mental health problems. Get out your Googleators and check out how other countries do it more successfully, Canyon advises. That's a great line. I'm writing that one down right Policy now. <laughs> is not his strong suit, but Googleators draws more chuckles. <laughs> I'm going to, uh, yeah, okay. So I'll skip, I'll skip over a couple of things here. Um, just to get to the heart of it here, but he says the man with the 100 watt smile talks a little about his boyhood in the area before he was George Canyon and his name was Freddie Lays. He always wanted to join the military and his parents couldn't understand why no one in our family had been in the military except an uncle who never came around much. So they wondered why I wanted to, it was about a need. I've always had a need to serve. Canyon relates to his audience how his friends felt about the decision to run. They thought I was dumber than a bag of hammers for letting my name go forward. <laughs> so anyways, it goes on here to explain that uh, Canyon was basically completely parachuted into this riding in Nova Scotia where he had like never lived before, didn't own a house there. And uh, the end of this story is that the liberal MP in that riding became literally the first literal MP in history to be reelected. <laughs> um, so George, like, basically uh, took a step back from his uh, political career or from a singing career to get into politics and then uh, got owned pretty badly. And uh, I love that. Uh, there's other fun stuff about Canyon, but uh, I don't have a lot of time to get into it. So I just wanted to, uh, to touch on that. I also love that he says that he has a need to serve, which is just once again, like another example of some chud who has like a weird, like pain pig thing going on. <laughs> like We'll have him on one day. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Future guest, George Canyon. Um, All right. Shall we? Yeah, uh, we have one voicemail to get to. So, Elliot, why don't you uh, why don't you gear that up for us? This is the Aquilini Group Legal Department. Because of <laughs> your slanderous content, your podcast is facing damages in the range of several beagles and potentially even Ericsson's. You have 14 business days to pay a penalty before enforcement action is taken. With your credit card ready, please press 1 to speak to an operator. You can actually press 2 or 3. It really makes no difference. In fact, I hear that 7 is quite nice this time of year. Once you are connected, don't mention the blueberries or this will get a whole lot messier. I mean, messier. <laughs> uh, awesome. Uh, well, on that beautiful. note... Uh, <laughs> Yep. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Failson McDonald's. You can follow me at Biasaran. You can follow me at Moose Kayak. And uh, yeah, don't forget to follow the pod at Raxi Fever. Thanks for um, bearing with us through what has been a like very bad uh, time for content. We've got some, some special theme episodes lined up for uh, the end of the year and the new year. So um, hopefully you'll be getting uh, to hear more from us soon. But uh, in the meantime, thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.
the money you will live No Canada What's wrong with you? You better wake up Now what you gonna do? The big companies Are milking us dry A corporation nation Is too good at life And in the capital The sympathy They care about the bacon But not about you or me Oh Canada What's wrong with you? You better wake up Now what you gonna do? You spend all your money On a lot of useless toys You're so fucking tough You should be cowboys You ain't got no jobs You can't pay the rent And now we're paying interest On the money we will live Oh Canada What's wrong with you? You better wake up Now what you gonna do? 